Assalamu alaikum, welcome back to the Dadhood Podcast. This is episode four. On today's episode, I brought with me Tariq Sheikh. He's a fundraising manager at Muntada Aid and he's also a father to three children. Uh, in this episode, we spoke about how he gave me my first opportunity of working. He also gave me some key marriage advice that helped me get married. We spoke about how going outdoors has so many benefits to children, how when he was growing up in Ireland, he did so many things outdoors. We spoke about home births as well uh, and why he finds that home births are way better than giving birth in the hospital. Uh, We also touched upon how you can create a vision for your children and why that is so important. His travels to Egypt, why he plants certain seeds in his children, he lets them see certain things that he does. Just a whole host of things. Uh, It was a really nice episode. I think you guys will benefit a lot. And for this one, you might need a pen and a notepad. Um, So be ready. Don't forget to subscribe, like, uh, give it a little comment, share it around to friends and family. Assalamu alaikum. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm here with my dear friend, Ustad, my mentor, all sorts of titles I could give you. Tariq, Sheikh, mashallah, tabarakallah. I'll tell you why I say uh, I give you these titles. Um, because you're the first person to give me a full-time job and a work opportunity. When I was straight out of university, okay. uh, I applied um, for a job at Muntada Aid. And um, uh, the day that I had the interview with you, with you guys was the last university exam. So as soon as I'd fish, finished my exam, I'm um, all the way in Essex, I took the train down to come take the interview. And uh, that, I think, I think it might have, Ramadan might have just come in or was about to come in um, when that interview was happening. And um, after the interview was done, went down uh, into the masjid, prayed, went home. And then alhamdulillah, I think maybe the next day or a few days later, you guys uh, told me that I could have the job. And I was really happy about that. And whilst I was working with you, I thought I knew so much about project management. Yeah, I thought, oh, I've been head of the ISOC here. I know how to project manage. Then I saw you with your spreadsheet and how you're speaking to the team and how you're delegating tasks. And alhamdulillah, you gave me so much responsibility as well. Uh, and I've never forgotten that road trip that we had from London to Birmingham, mashallah. What was your favorite memory about that? I, I'm not going to disclose my favorite memories. <laughs> <laughs> I think I know what you're talking about. We'll keep it, we'll yeah. keep it like that. <laughs> yeah, what, what happens on the road trip stays on the road trip. But alhamdulillah. <laughs> uh, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. So, uh, alaikum. It's good to be here, bro. Thank you so much for, for having me on. Uh, the titles are not necessary, bro. You're my buddy, man, and it was it was really nice working with you, bro. I always look for for competency and potential, uh, and you had those qualities, bro. So I was really excited. I think Essex University. I went down there, and you were giving a talk or uh, uh, about some personal journeys, and mashallah, I was really impressed yeah. with with how you uh, how you did your storytelling. That was that, that was one thing because naturally I've been a fundraiser for like 10 years, right? So I have to jump up on stage or sometimes on TV or something. And But but as, as someone with fundraising and marketing background, uh, for me to sell uh, sell anything, it's all about, all about the stories you tell. Yeah. So when you went on stage and you, you were telling your story, I just found you, mashallah, to be very, 
natural and and uh, a lot of good qualities but we had good times bro working together alhamdulillah alhamdulillah I've, i've had the privilege of of working with a lot of young energetic passionate you know really committed brothers to the cause mashallah who just want to please allah you know serve the deen uh, serve the muslim ummah and alhamdulillah it's been an honor to do that so i'm i'm glad yeah but you know i'm a little miskin guy man i, I know you come on you come on bbc documentaries and <laughs> my bro mashallah no no alhamdulillah you know you really set me off on on my trajectory and obviously i haven't it's only been maybe three or four years since i i worked there so it's not it's not like it's been a long time and i've and i've like done all these things but it's definitely set me on a path alhamdulillah and there was a significant thing that had happened um whilst we were working together it was on the road trip but don't worry not not ex- exposing anything it was um when i was asking you for marriage advice actually so at that time um straight out of university i've got a job now of course the first thing that's on my mind is i need to get married i want to start a family and yeah. um you know i felt comfortable enough asking you you know uh, what advice could you give me and there was one piece of advice that really stuck and it was probably one of the main pieces of advice that got me to 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 to, to where i'm now in terms of being married was you said have a checklist have like no when you're going into that marriage talk know exactly the type of qualities you want to find out like if you have to literally write it down as a checklist write it down as a checklist and go into that talk with those things and you don't have to tick everything off your list but there should be things that are like major for you and things that are minor for you and that kind of changed the game for me because you know uh, prior to that point i did have some marriage talks with towards the end of university because i knew i was kind of ending university let me just try and talk to some dads and what not and um i never had that checklist i just had this idea in my mind of who i wanted to marry and so these talks were kind of either go nowhere or they were drag on for for no reason and then yeah. as soon as i implemented that advice uh the next person i'd i'd spoken to is the person i'm married to now alhamdulillah so oh, really it's fun i didn't yes. know that mashallah <laughs> alhamdulillah so thank you for that advice no no you know i'm i'm very pragmatic i'm very I, i always try to be very practical in how i approach things um and and there's there's two things like that was one thing that really helped me in marriage and i i always tell people write things down you know especially even our vision in life people always say you know i want to be this i want to be that but no one ever writes down and i i've even me i procrastinated for so long up until recently where i really started to break everything down and write it down and i'm kind of halfway through that process right now yeah. but when it came to marriage writing those distinguishing between what i cannot compromise on and what i can compromise on and having that list it just made sure that my whole process was you know my decisions were decided before i had to make them because i had reflected and thought about those things so that was one thing being practical and the second thing that made a difference for me was for anyone listening that might benefit is that i stopped searching for a wife based on the things that i thought were best for me so that list can only take you so far right okay and i i uh, another brother gave me uh just golden golden advice and similar to you once you had that advice for me you got married similar to myself when i got this advice from him then i got married straight away wow. and that that advice was to make sure that 
you beg Allah to give you a wife that is pleasing to Allah and that you mm. just really really focus on that you know I, when I decided that Allah I want all these things and I think they're good for me but ultimately you know what's best for me you know what's best for my life and my akhirah uh, and I'll, I'll take what you want yeah and I'm happy with that when I did that then that's that was a game changer for me so it makes a difference. It really does. Alhamdulillah. And so you you talk about having a vision and we all know how important it is to have a vision for ourselves. And I think that's become so popular nowadays with uh, amongst amongst kind of society at large, Muslim, non-Muslim, with all these self-development, productivity gurus and books and yeah. YouTube channels and whatnot. And so everybody's kind of caught on to that. You know, you need to have a vision. You need to be going somewhere, have something purpose-driven. But you were mentioning to me earlier before we got into the podcast that you have visions not just for yourself but also for your children. How yeah. how do you go about doing that? I guess actually, you know, before we do that, how many children do you have, and how old are they? Okay, so Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, I uh, I've been blessed with three children so alhamdulillah. far. Yeah, may Allah bless all of our children. Uh, I've I've got I've got a six year old, a four year old, uh, two boys. And then I've got a baby girl. She's about, I think, 11 months now, inshallah. Mashallah, mashallah. Yeah. Well, so the gaps aren't too much. I guess between the four-year-old and the newborn, that's a that's uh, kind of a, what you call a normal gap in a way. Um, yeah. But between the, the six and the four, uh, that's it's quite short. I mean, even for myself, I've got two and a half and I've got a nine months. So it's, it's quite short as well. Uh, how old were you when you had your first child? So I was... I just turned 31. Okay. Okay. So yeah. you're you're at the bottom of the tally list right now. So we've got in this podcast, it's not been many yeah. episodes, but we've got a tradition that, okay. uh, you know, the, the higher you're on the tally list means that the, you, you have to be younger with more children. So uh, you having your first child at 31, I think you're at the bottom of the list right now, man, because uh, uh, I was I was 23 or 22 when I had my first one and other brothers I've had on the podcast had it around maybe 24 25 so I always wanted to I mean I, I got married that the same year I had my son is the same year I got married <laughs> so I, I, I got married in January and we had a baby in December alhamdulillah and uh, you know I, I was just very conscious of the fact that you know uh Look, I'll tell you why. Someone gave me advice once, right? And it always stuck with me. And I can't remember. I can't remember who this was, but I remember what they said. They said, always make sure that you can run faster than your children. Okay? <laughs> they said that. And obviously, there's lots of reasons and meanings behind that. But you, you never know when you have to chase your kids around. You, But I think more importantly than, than anything, it's for what I took from that as well, mostly, was that it's this sense of always make sure you're capable. Always make sure that you're, you know, uh, uh, a leader, an inspiration, a hero for that child. Something that is always driving them and, and pushing them further. And mm -hmm. you can't be that, that father uh, sitting on a sofa with a big belly and expect your kid to go out and be driven and athletic and uh, smart. and learn. You can't, It's not going to work, right? So you always yeah. have to be leading by example. Yeah. Uh, so, so that's what I took from this. So that was one thing. That's why uh, I I don't like having a belly. 
<laughs> I don't. Obviously, Omar there's a, a famous narration of him where, where he asked the man, he said, he, he used his stick and he pointed to his belly and he said, What is this? And the man said, This is a, a blessing from Allah. And Omar said, La. He said, This is, this is a punishment from Allah. <laughs> right? And I, I always had this sense of uh, it's not dignified for a Muslim or, or a person generally. <laughs> Right, that uh, to have a belly when it's within their control, not to have one. Yeah. yeah, of course, people have medical conditions and there's challenges in everyday life. But for me, pers- this is just something that a standard that I set for myself. Yeah, and don't get me wrong, well, I'm up and down with it. Yeah, I'm up and down. <laughs> but but I'm always I'm I'm always working on it. Or I always just make sure yeah. that I don't I don't go beyond a certain thing because I don't want my kids to see me in that light. I want to make sure that they see their father as a suit like my. My my son said to me the other day, uh, the, there's a shoe rack on the back of our door, and it, it keeps on falling off, right? Because we got so many shoes on there, and it broke, and I, I didn't have time to fix it. And my son, he, he just he says, he says, Abby, Abby, take your toolbox, take your toolbox. And I said, No, I haven't got time right now. I'm going to work. He said, Come on, Abby, you can fix anything, right? <laughs> and it's just the kids when they're that small they have this sense that you're this superhero you can yeah. do anything you know to them I'm like the strongest guy in the world <laughs> to them like they, they think I'm a hafiz of the Quran when I'm not they think that yeah. I'm ev- that everything that I do they think that I'm the best at it right and, and the longer you can keep that up yeah, mm. the more admiration the more love uh, you know, the, and the more likely they are to listen to you and take take heed of what, what you're saying, because mm-hmm. there's that level of respect and you know uh, admiration. So these are things I'm I'm constantly thinking about and being reflective of. I I don't do any of these things the best that I can, but I'm just uh, I'm co- very conscious of them. I don't want to fall behind, um, and and I do at times, but you know you have to keep on, you know, getting back up and making yeah. sure you're trying and trying. So. Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. Yeah, that's something that I uh, was a reason for why I wanted to get married early as well. I mean, um, I, I don't really consider myself getting married early. I mean, I got married when I was about 22, but compared to most people, I think, I think that now, is early. I think that think? is early. Yeah, mashallah, mashallah. I think it is early and I think it's good. I would yeah. love, I, I, I came across this random video on YouTube about two days ago. Um, and it, it was just of this. Uh, it was this imam and uh, this imam and this young boy and girl, and they got married at sixteen. Wow! Right? Yeah, mashallah, Muslim boy and girl, right? Practicing. The imam is there doing the the nikah for them, and the the <laughs> young sister's uh, wali, the father, is there giving giving her away. And I was just like, mashallah, <laughs> like I would never put that on my children. Okay. Yeah, I was going to ask you, what, what, what would you do with your, for your children then? No, I mean, look, it, it has to be natural. It has to be organic, right? We live in, like, I would love, I would love for my children to be married at a young, youngish suitable age. They have okay. to have certain things. I expect them to be able to, if you're getting married, yeah, I won't let my son get married if they haven't fulfilled, the, if they cannot fulfill the responsibility of a husband, right? Yeah. They might need that time, right? I, but I, I would like for my children to get married reasonably young. Be, mm-hmm. I mean, one, and there's multiple reasons, you know, like some might do it because there's so much fitna out there, you want to protect them, or, uh, you know, you might just want, uh, you might just want to have grandchildren before you pass. Yeah. Well, there's lots of different reasons, but I just like the idea of my son um, 
And I guess you have to be careful with this, but I like the idea of my son just uh, being the best that he can be, right? We all want the mm-hmm. best for our children. Of course. And it's not to say that someone gets married later because I got married at 30, right? But uh, yeah. uh, I just feel like, you know, you always want your son to graduate early or to be in a, uh, a class ahead of time or stuff like that. But all children are different. Uh, circumstances de- necess- necessitate different things. Um so these are just really reflections, really. Who knows how it'll yeah, pan yeah. out? You know, we, we we just pray to Allah that Allah protects our children from the fitna and just gives them all what's best. I mean, I mean, I mean. So let's take it back to that that question about vision, then, because uh, that that's okay. obviously something that will inform uh, the way uh, the path that your children take and and when they do get married and who they do get married to. Um, so yeah. how do you go about? Doing that for your children, I think it's quite obvious how you you would do that for yourself because you know yourself, right? You've 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 spent you know however many years trying to develop yourself. You've gone through all these different uh, challenges and and you've got triumphs and you've got losses in your life and and so you've built this idea in your mind of who you are and where you're going and and where you're coming from. But but for your children, <clears throat> they're just innocent small children. And you want to do the best for them. And you don't yeah. necessarily know what challenges they're going to face later. So how do you possibly set a vision for them? Yeah, I think there's only so much you can plan. Yeah. yeah. Like when it comes to work and, you know, setting your vision and then having your mission and breaking down your objectives and your goals. You can plan and plan and plan and plan. If Allah's got different plans, then there's nothing that you can do. But that doesn't yeah. mean you shouldn't do the. That doesn't mean you shouldn't do the planning, right? That's just part of, you know, preparation. It's just smart to do those things. With my children, I've only now. I mean, my son is six, right? Uh, Ibrahim is the eldest. He's six, and I guess things are getting a bit more real for me. Yeah, because I guess at seven, even Islamically, uh, there's certain things that you're meant to start doing as a father for your children, like the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said that at the age of seven, you start to encourage them yeah, yeah. with the Salah. So there's, uh, I think that that kind of age isn't necessarily, um, I mean, the age seven is interesting because the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said right. this, but also there's an interesting kind of uh, uh, school of thought when it comes to education uh, and development with children. So, uh, we've kind of leaned more towards that Scandinavian school of thought, which says that right. up up until the age of seven, you should let everything be organic, not formalize things too much, uh, encourage them in the areas that they're interested rather than what the state, status quo is. So well, we've been kind of doing those things so far. Um, but now that Ibrahim's six and getting close to that seven, I'm very conscious of, what do I want to start doing? How do I want to go about it? Worrying, stressing, you know, I'm very, very, I'm at this point in my life now where with my children, I'm like, okay, I need to start making some serious decisions now. So in terms of the vision, how does it relate to that? I mean, like I said, I started doing a a vision exercise for myself recently, putting everything down on paper and just breaking it all down. And that vision exercise, it's, it's, it's not for me solely. Yeah. Ultimately it is, but I can't have I can't develop my vision without developing uh, a vision for my whole family, for my wife, okay. for my children, for my parents, for my 
community, for my neighbors, right, for the dawah. I can't develop a vision because part of who I am is I'm I'm obliged, I'm obligated, I'm intrinsically involved or or it's expected of me from Allah to be in, to have a vision with regards to all of those things. Mm. So as I'm developing my own vision, I'm also writing down what type of milestones I want for my children. So I'm kind of looking at a 10-year plan. Where do I? And subhanAllah, I started doing my own 10-year plan, right? And I started to list down all my, all my things, right? Where do I want to be career-wise? Where do I want to be health-wise? Where do I want to be education-wise? Uh, Quran-wise? I started to break all these things down. And then when I got to my uh, my son and I started to do his 10-year plan, I said, I was like, oh, subhanAllah. <laughs> He'll be 16 by the time. I'm, I have to start. <laughs> like my, my planning, I when I started, I was like, okay. I was thinking, right, where should I send him to school? Where should... And and I and then I realized as I started to jot things down, like hold on, this plan has to have him. Where's he going to be in, at the age of sixteen? Yeah. And it's like, yeah. so oh, oh, uh, <laughs> you know, like where do I go? What do I do? Because this, it, this, I, I, it just hit me all of a sudden that while wow, I'm planning for ten years time, and like I've been involved in my last two employers are ten years of my life, right? So and that's that's gone like that. Three years with one, seven years with the other. That's flown yeah. by. So now I'm thinking this next 10 years is going to fly. Um, But nonetheless, there's some key things that I kind of have to put down for his vision. I mean, naturally, he's going to have certain characteristics and personality traits and preferences. And that will kind of lead or or help us to lead him in the right direction. Okay. Um, But there's certain things that for me are, are essential, essential, essential. And one of those is the Quran. One of my visions mm. for all of my children, <clears throat> no matter how far I feel I might be from that right now or close to it, is that all my children, for the sake of ta'adim of Allah, glorifying Allah, they have to be hufad, right? And, you know, I want them to uh, to achieve that. And, you know, I took some steps early on in life where I went to Egypt, as you know, 2018 I went there for just over a year and it was always a big big thing for me to take my children abroad because when I was small so my dad's Pakistani yeah uh, I'm glad you clarified that. You know, I'm, I'm I'm thinking probably up until this point, people who don't know you probably think you're a revert, probably think you're Irish. You know, (laughs) you've had everything, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, I I get it all, bro. Russian, Bosnian, Albanian. Brick Italian. Anyway, so my father's Pakistani, my mom's Irish. I, I was born and raised in Ireland, and Mashallah. I spent I spent I spent nearly two years in Pakistan. But that two years in Pakistan, I felt shaped me, right? I, it never yeah. left me. I remember Pakistan. I remember living abroad, and it really dictated so much of my life and had an impact on me. And I was I feel like I don't know if my brothers and sisters would agree with me, uh, but. I think it's quite obvious that I feel more Pakistani than any of them. Right. And and I feel like that helped me with my Islam or my identity. How old were um, you when you went there? I was four. Yeah. Wow. I had, yeah. So you're quite four. young and, and, and it still has l- left an imprint in you. Yeah, completely. So when I took my family to Egypt, hmm. I was very, like, that was something I, 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 I always had planned to do it. You know, subhanAllah. Allah, Allahu Akbar. Allah, you know, sometimes you don't even have to have a strong intention, right? You should, 
right? Yeah. You should really have strong. I find that sometimes I just feel inclined towards towards things, and I think, you know, inshallah, I'll do that one day, Allah. As much that's what it is, and I keep on saying it to myself. And Allah just opens doors, bro. You know, like I just find that Allah always like Egypt became easy for me then. So, but Egypt was important that. for me because I wanted my children to know that their father went to Egypt to seek knowledge. Yeah, yeah, I had yeah. other I had other intentions, but I wanted that to be imprinted and embedded into their, you know, just whatever's deep down in their head. I wanted them to always know their father went to Egypt to study, even if yeah. it's just Arabic. But that I prioritize that, uh, and they they'll they'll know that I did that, and that will always be with them. Yeah, yeah, uh, and, and inshallah, that's a seed that I hope will grow into them, wanting to. Uh, you know, learn and be passionate about Arabic and Quran and uh, and studying as well. And maybe one day they'll. And I, I hope one day I can take them back to Egypt as well to you know kind of further develop their hifs and their Islamic studies as yeah. well, as well as my my own and my, my families. Just just um, uh, pick up on that point. I mean, that mindset there to to set a seed and then allow it to grow for kind of long term in the future is very much kind of a long term mindset you'd find that a lot of people who are involved in entrepreneurship and business think in that kind of way where they think okay if I invest 10 pounds in now and I just I leave it there you know 10 years down the line I might have a thousand pounds and they always look at there's certain opportunities you can take now that will benefit you later is yeah. this is this kind of a mindset that you uh, find that 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 applies directly to kind of raising children uh, and you apply it to other things as well yeah i mean it's an interesting point i mean more than anything i did it because i know that it had such a major impact on me right yeah. so i saw i saw or felt the tangible results of it i felt inclined like after after you know i lived in pakistan obviously came back to ireland eventually we moved to the uk and I was and my dad was in the merchant navy so my dad always had these stories about you know he'd been to this country my dad literally has been everywhere mashallah, uh, mashallah. and uh, not literally but you know he's been to many many places uh, and and he always had these stories about you know his time in the merchant navy and because that was my role model my father the one who yeah. I love may Allah, may Allah bless him and um, preserve him um, uh, I always was inclined then to go out exploring and do more. So I lived in Harrow, but I went to college in Watford. Uh, I went to university in Manchester. When I was in Manchester, I decided to take a, rather than a placement, uh, a study abroad year. So I went okay. to live in Hong Kong. I went to live in Hong Kong. Wow. So I was constantly following in my dad's kind of footsteps in terms of exploring and journeying and self-discovery, which eventually led me to Islam. But I, I just feel like when it comes to planting seeds, I mean, there's many, I think many of us, like one thing that I always wanted to do right was to be a good father, to be the best father yeah. I can. And that's always going to be a struggle. You're always going to fall short or, you know, uh, but there's everything I think about, like this vision I have for my children, each one of those things is a seed. You know, like uh, if I'm listening to a lecture, I'll sit my son on my lap and I'm conscious that him sitting on my lap listening to that that's me planting a seed by Allah's mm. tawfiq of course but I'm letting like is he disturbing like I had to host a, a retreat a study retreat the other day right and the boys were in and out in and out but end of the day I, I didn't stop them 
Yeah. I just put it on mute. They're causing me a difficulty, but I just put it on mute and I let them sit. Because yeah, yeah. again, that's that's imprinting. They're going to wow. remember that experience over and over again. Um, you know, if you've got, like I see you've got lots of books in the background, your yeah. children will remember that you had lots of books in that, and they'll, they'll be more inclined to read. If we're mm. re- sitting down reading the Quran at home every day, our children will pick up on that and they're more likely to, to then pick up the book and to fall in love with it if they see that we've fallen in love with it. So I think whether it's business, whether it, it's all investment, isn't it? Right, yeah. whether you're investing in financial investment, akhira investment, your children who your legacy are also your akhira. I think for me, I'm, I'm always trying to think about those seeds. And sometimes we plant dangerous seeds, you know, and sometimes mm. those seeds can come back to haunt children or it can affect their development. And, you know, that's why sometimes we want to change our children into certain things. But I find that one thing I've learned is that, you know, before... I start expecting certain things of my children. I know that I have to go through a whole process of unlearning and relearning certain practices or controlling certain behaviors. And that's difficult when you're, you know, 30 plus. You're, you've been doing that your whole life, right? So, you know, that's the hard part, being the best that you can be. And then everything else will take care of itself. SubhanAllah. I mean, the, planting those seeds, is, I think, is such a key advice and uh, something I definitely need to think about more because um, as as my son, Isa, as he was kind of growing up and we could see some of the developments, you can, he's, he's, he's able to spot certain, he can he can read certain letters, he, can, he knows certain numbers. So I started thinking, all right, I really need to take his development seriously. Like, I need to make sure I'm exposing him to different things. And... Um, you know, all I could think about is when I think about development, I'm thinking about project management. I'm thinking about trackers and spreadsheets and whatnot, because that's what I know. Uh, but when it comes to your children, you can't really do that. And uh, it's about, well, like what you're saying, is taking advantage of those moments and planting those seeds. That That is what the, 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 the tracking of the development is, is thinking about, am I reading Quran in front of them? Am I showing them... Am I taking them through th- certain experiences that will plant a certain seed inside of them that will that will grow later? Uh, so I think it's so so important. Alhamdulillah. Um, so I also, I mean, you also mentioned um, that uh, something that has been quite important to you uh, and and to you and your wife is home births. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I, I wanted to discuss that because uh, this, I, I haven't really spoken to anyone that's taking that decision to do that um so you've done it with all three of your children right yeah may Allah bless my wife she is a hero <laughs> um, all, I mean... all three all three of our children were born at home yeah, wow so how did you, both of you come to that decision because the standard thing is is just to be like you're pregnant cool um you're going to go to the hospital and you're going to give birth, uh, you know, at, at, at the 40 week period or around that time. Right. That, that's just a standard thing. Everyone knows that that's how it works. How do you yeah. go and decide we're going to do it at home? You know, I think at the heart of it, bro, we're both a couple of hippies. <laughs> yeah, we're really both a couple of hippies in that, you know, we're I don't know if we're if we're like anti-establishment, maybe. I don't know. There's maybe lots of factors, but I, I think. <clears throat> One thing that was very like me and my wife, may Allah bless her and preserve her, we're 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 very well synced. Yeah, I don't okay. know if she agrees with me, but I I always say this. <laughs> I say we're very well synced in that 
our, our, our views and perceptions on topics uh, are very, very similar. Uh, I'm, I'm very much like any, you know, kind of rational person, very inclined towards natural approaches to things and <clears throat> um, anything that's kind of traditional and, and organic not in the food sense although that's good of course but just anything that that we're naturally like uh, disposition towards or, or is close to the fitra uh, I'm, I'm keen to, to be more inclined that way okay um, so when it came to home births I can't remember where it started from right I can't I think I might be wrong but I think I maybe my wife. I'll have to ask my wife. I think I came came across the idea of it. Like none of us, none of me and my siblings were were home birth. Okay. But see, I, I yeah, I'm not going to go into how we came about it because I'm not entirely sure. I think I came across it somehow. But All when right. we spoke about it, we were both very keen on it. Okay. Um, obviously. Like I could spend an hour on this topic, bro, and I have done that with brothers sitting in the car before we're about to go home, and I've sat with it for an hour. But there's so many reasons why I think home birth is the better option, generally speaking, right? Okay. There's going there's going to be exceptions, right? Mm-hmm. As long as you as long as your um as long as your your pregnancy is non complicated, right? Or yeah. uncomplicated. There's no medical issues or anything like that. Then speak, you know, I, I, I'm, this is just my opinion, right, of course, but speak to the medical professionals and understand what your options are, all right? Okay. Uh, the, most boroughs, most hospitals have home birth teams. People's automatic assumption is, are you crazy? Yeah, you're going to have a baby in your house. <laughs> what, pe- what people don't realize is the concept of having a, a baby in the hospital is a very, very new thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's very, very new. Midwives have always been around, right? And midwives have delivered more. Uh, they they deliver more babies than doctors do, right? Yeah. Typically speaking, because yeah. they're trained, they're specialized in that thing. Um, and 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 you go to like places back home and stuff. Women they don't have a choice but to give birth at home. Mm-hmm. But for 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 Muslim women, I think one of the biggest factors is really the privacy of it. Okay, yeah. so the idea of being in your own home, comfortable, go from your room to the bedroom to the living room, sitting on your sofas, opening your fridge and getting things out when you need them, uh, having the privacy that you want, um, everything's accessible to you. Yeah. You know, you don't have to worry about strangers coming in out of the room or this, that, and the other. You know, that is so much better than being in a public hospital. Yeah. And there are other options. You can go to a birthing center, which is a bit more private and natural. But typically speaking, it's the hospitals. Yeah. But um, f- from a kind of safety point of view, people think, oh, my God, but what if something goes wrong? What if this? What if that? I mean, what people don't understand is that, firstly, it's cheaper. It's actually cheaper for the NHS, as I've been told by the midwives, to have a baby at home than it in, is to have it in the hospital. Okay. That's one thing. But the care and attention... So you're saving the NHS. You, so you're not yeah, anti-establishment. Say, <laughs> no, 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 there you go. Very good, very good. But the care and attention that you get in a home birth is unparalleled in, mm. compared to the hospital. In the hospital, you've got one midwife jumping between this woman, that woman, this woman, that woman, right? You, you know, you don't get that focus in our home. So, so to clarify, the midwife can come to the home. 
to know, help the mid- with the home birth. Listen, the midwife comes to your home months before you give birth. Wow. Right? Okay. You develop a personal relationship with that midwife. Interesting. Okay. You And not just one. You'll have a whole team. Right, we had a t- our last one. We had a team of four, and bro, wallahi, these people are so dedicated. They're so passionate. We had one woman. Her name was Penny. Right, me Allah guide her. Right, this Amen. this uh, this this lady. She was just retiring when we were having our first uh, our first or second born, uh, our second born. Right, she was there for our first one, uh, and bro. These midwives, they're so involved, bro. I was trying to, my first, my first child that came, my wife is, you know, she's in pain and I'm trying to relax her, massage her. And bro, so I'm tired. I'm, yeah. you know, I'm just trying to give it all. <laughs> and I, my wife's not getting any relief from me yeah. massaging her. Yeah. And then, and then, bro, the other woman, the midwife, a young Spanish lady, she started, she was there, look, I'll do it. And she was, doing it for hours and hours to the point next day she wow. came back off afterwards and she said my body's killing me because i was putting so much effort into right this woman penny she she for the second birth of our child she was about to retire and we we were given uh we were given a midwife that was because we had moved area we got a different midwife we weren't okay. confident it, she hadn't done it before so we we got in, con- in contact with penny we're like penny please help us out Right, she had just delivered two uh, babies, one after the other, for hours. Uh, she hadn't slept in like two days. Wow! Right, and then she came after that to our to our second birth. After that, and she re- retired like that week. Right, oh. she's just so dedicated and committed and loving and compassionate and sincere and bro, like they're so genuine in their approach. They're caring. They care about the mother. They care about the baby. Of course, yeah. the women and nurses and doctors in the hospital do, but this is on a personal level. Mm-hmm. This is their passion. Uh, yeah. they, 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 they drop salary to continue doing the work. They come out at three o'clock in the morning on a regular basis for call outs. Okay, but that that's the personal commitment in terms of the kind of security around it. They are coming months and months beforehand. You develop the personal relationship, and then a few weeks, bef- uh, maybe a month or, or a bit longer before your your delivery day, they come and bring bags and boxes of equipment, and they keep it in your house. Right. Okay. okay. So everything's ready. Everything's that's, that's what ready. I was going to ask. I was thinking. I mean, no, from no. the hospital, Every- you got easy access to the incubator and all that. What do you do at home? Everything that you have in the hospital, right? I said 95% of what is in the hospital is at home. Yeah. Wow. If, if there's like, and, and when they come then on the day, they bring even more equipment and they have an ambulance on standby as requirement. Okay. Just in case there's a complication. Okay. Uh, and actually our last baby, Alhamdulillah, uh, Sameya, she was born in the peak of the lockdown last April. Okay. Yeah. And Allah is so great. SubhanAllah. All of the home births in the country had stopped. Oh because wow! Because all because all the ambulances had to be redirected for COVID yeah, patients. Yeah, of course. Yeah. But Allah blessed us. We were praying and praying that it, it wouldn't affect us. Our hospital was one of two hospitals in the whole country that continued home births because they had paid for a private ambulance. Wow. So we managed that, and that was just to be on standby. Alhamdulillah, we didn't need it, right? Alhamdulillah. But but when they come, uh, like. You know, if there's an emergency, all these different types, it's all available. So, you know, I would just advise people to look into it, right? There's uh, a documentary on YouTube with, you know, Ricky Lake? No. No, you're too young for that, mashallah. Ricky Lake, 
Ricky Lake is like the uh, less dramatized Jerry Springer of America. Okay, uh, okay, yeah, okay. So she was part of a documentary in America where uh, there's a documentary on YouTube called The Business of Being Born. Yeah. All right, I should really, probably watch that. Yeah, it's really interesting. But you'll have to get your wife to watch it with you and you'll have to turn away at a couple of places. Oh, okay. okay? <laughs> but but it's highly educational. And as long as you can avoid that stuff, it's yeah. in- extremely, extremely insightful, right? I could go into all the other things. Like there's yeah. a whole... There's a whole yeah, they, thing these about are that. like the top reasons for yourself. Yeah, I mean, look, when you go yeah. to the hospital, you are significantly more likely to have a cesarean than you are when having a home birth, right? Mm-hmm. Like my wife has had gestational diabetes uh, on the second time she was she had our second child, and third time uh, the baby was breached, and all of these situations are typically no. I'm sorry, you have to go to the hospital and have your baby, right? Yeah. But when you speak to the midwives, they're like, don't worry. This happens and there's lots of different techniques and uh, like, for example, a breached baby. One of the techniques that they give as part of the NHS treatment is that there's a herb that you burn at the bottom of a woman's toe and the fumes and gases. There's some reaction that takes place, but that herb that they burn. Uh, You're definitely it, a hippie, it, man. <laughs> I am a hippie, aren't I, right? But, but this increases the chance of the baby. Uh, obviously turning over and not being breached anymore. Right, okay. Right? But there's, I mean, I would just say advise people to look into it. More than anything, contact your hospital and ask to speak to the home birth team and just get them to come around and they'll answer all of your questions. That's that's my best advice on that. But it, it's very, it's a lot more of a pleasure or a ex- positive experience for, mm-hmm. for the woman. And it, it made the world a difference for us. It was very intimate at home. You know, just having yeah, your yeah. calmness and everything. You so do find you do that. find um, in uh, when speaking to to to, to midwives and uh, and just kind of different staff when you're going to appointments for what, when your wife is pregnant and whatnot. You do find that a lot of them prefer traditional ways of doing things. I mean, I found that yeah. you know they were always pushing my wife to make sure that she's she's going to breastfeed and um, you know. Uh, when when they try and check up on their children, don't worry, like, it's okay, like, uh, you know, uh, these things yeah. don't matter, they'll fix themselves. It's kind of a, yeah. a lot more of a traditional approach. And I yeah, find that definitely. they do that. Whereas, whereas when you speak to, uh, you know, doctors about anything else, okay, uh, outside of, of things to do with children and pregnancy and whatnot, it's always like, okay, use pharmaceutical drugs or they prescribe you certain things or they're always very, very careful in the types of advice they give you. Yeah. Uh, and, and they always toe kind of a certain line and they don't they don't generally give you maybe more traditional sort of advice um it's quite interesting the the, the difference there and I, I you know I, I always thought going into it um you know I was always telling my wife you know just take what they say with a pinch of salt yeah they're probably gonna say something it's not really gonna match up with the way that we think about things the way that human history has thought about things for many many uh you know centuries um but uh you know so take it with a pinch of a pinch of salt but I found that actually a lot of what they say, um, in particular the the, the, the midwives and, and those who are dealing with, with pregnancies and the children, uh, they're quite on it in terms of traditional advice. It's quite interesting. Yeah, definitely. There, there's, I would recommend a book to some people watching if they're interested in, in knowing more about this. It's by a woman called Ina May. I think it's E-N-A and then separate okay. M-A-Y. And she's... 
she has delivered thousands and thousands of babies in America and she's very very encouraging of home births and she literally says that there's a solution to everything typically speaking there's always going to be exceptions and we have to you know we have to obviously be realistic that sometimes you do have to actually go to hospital and that's the best place for you but yeah. her book's very interesting um again a couple of pages you need to get your wife to go through and cover up <laughs> yeah, just, okay. just a warning we need to get but, uh, some uh some Muslim man-friendly manuals, man. Maybe that's something you can help me on. Well, the, wife, <laughs> the, the wife can filter it for you first. That's the benefits. <laughs> oh, yeah. Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. You don't have to spend time reading through the boring parts. <laughs> yeah. No, it, it's, it's interesting to learn. But speaking about COVID, um, how, how are things been going uh, with lockdown, children? Uh, I mean, your children are quite young. Uh, I'm not sure that they're not school age. I mean, you've got one that's six years old. Um, yeah, so yeah. How, how have things been uh, and uh, anything interesting that's happened? Uh, things have been, things have been ups and downs. I think the biggest challenge is the limitations of going out. We, we haven't been able to go out as much. Obviously, same thing for everybody, right? But we're quite outdoorsy people. Um, you know, we, we love the you're hippies. We love... That's right. Exactly. That. <laughs> you said it, bro. I'm going to keep bringing it back. <laughs> maybe, maybe. I mean, you know, there's, it's all about, it's all perspective, you know, like uh, some might call us hippies. Other people just, you know. Adventurers. Tra- tra- traditionalists. Right? Or, uh it's, it's just, I bro, you know, I grew up in Ireland, so we grew up with fields and forests around us. Yeah. Um, and we used to go pick berries and make jam. We used to go and, you know, swim in rivers. We just used to have a good time in the outdoors. Obviously, security wasn't an issue over there at that time, especially. But, you know, I don't know. You just traveling the world, seeing how things work. You, you just feel like that. there's just a peace, bro. You know, if you walk through the, the park, Right, just walking through the park, there is a chemical reaction in your brain where dopamine, right, yeah. pleasure chemicals are just automatically released from your body, just from being around trees and greenery. Right? I found it. I it, found it during this lockdown. I never really took the time to go on walks uh, through the park and stuff. And with the lockdown, there's nothing else to do. So uh, me and my wife and the kids regularly go on walks, and I noticed that like every time I went for a walk, it it was like it was such a good break it was, and it was yeah. and it, and the more that i did it the more i was able to appreciate what was what was changing about the park you know going through yeah. the different seasons and seeing the seasons, leaves change yeah, and yeah. you know seeing seeing how the behavior of even just looking at people and the way their behavior changes and the animals the ducks where they are at the, which end of the uh, river are they are at this time and you know it's it, I would never would really look out for those things, but the more and more I did it, the more I started noticing those things, and I started noticing the benefits of it. Um, so, I mean, it's that, you grew up with that clearly. So, is that something that you're also trying to instill with your children, doing a lot of yeah, outdoors yeah. activities? Com- completely. Like for me, I'm I'm an outdoor fanatic. <laughs> I, I love the outdoors. I love camping. I love hiking up mountains. I love any type of hunting, especially fishing at the moment. Fishing's my thing, bro. The idea of going out, and I take my children fishing. They love it. 
Yeah, I, I there's some ponds down where we live where you can take kids. It's designed actually for kids to to go fishing. Very easy to catch fish there. Yeah, and I I I've got they've got fishing uh fishing rods for themselves, and even in the lockdown, I I used to take them down to the because London were blessed. There's lots of canals around us. In most yeah. places, you got it. You got a canal not too far from you, and you can catch fish in there, right? So, um, I would take them out for long walks, and we go along the canals, just trying to catch fish, and they'll be on their yeah. scooters sometimes, just just getting out. We couldn't go camping because of the lockdown, so uh, we live in in flats, right? So we don't have a garden, yeah. mm-hmm. but my mother-in-law lives around the corner, not too far. So I just went and got my tent, and I just took the kids there, set up the <laughs> tent in the back garden. Right, because you can't go outside, but they need to have that type of exposure. So just for the whole day, we put the tent up. I took my bow and arrow out. I let the boys get involved. In the <laughs> wow, is that a serious yeah. one? Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a really beautiful one. It was, a, it was a present from my old colleagues when I used to work at Muslim Aid. Yeah. Uh, may Allah bless them all. They got my leaving due. They got me. They they knew what I was like. It was either an axe, <laughs> it was either an axe or uh, a bow and arrow. So they got me a bow. And oh, arrow. I remember when I was in the office one time. You received the delivery and it was an axe. Oh yeah, were you there? <laughs> yeah, I was there. Bro, that axe was from Sweden, right? Uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to endorse things here, but it's by a company called Grandsford Brooks, and it's okay. one of the best axes in the world it took me two years or something to wait to get that axe because they only make a certain amount of them wow exclusive yeah but what do you what do you use your axe for you don't like live in the forest you live in london bro listen yeah (laughs) i i i do live in the concrete jungle but any opportunity i have uh i i go out like i've got a group of friends and we go we go camping we go hiking we we find places that we can you know just build shelters um i I use the axe for that type of stuff man firewood whatever it is we have some beautiful epic times and i encourage everybody to get out there the uk is beautiful by the way right Mm. we have we have beaches in the uk that are the some of the top rated beaches in europe and in the world right the jurassic coast over in in uh, in Wales, we have some of uh, I forgot the names of those now. Um, it might come to me, but but if you look it up, certain years uh, when they do these uh, these kind of like uh, reviews or competitions or ratings, uh, the UK has some of the best beaches in the world that have been rated that way. And th- but there's there's areas of natural beauty. There's even for those people who like, let's say they can't handle the outdoors. Yeah, um, you, you can you can do the glamping option, which is, you yeah. know, you can go to a campsite and uh, maybe they've got these kind of little uh, huts or bell yeah, tents, yeah, yeah. and they've got like showers and uh, little tuck shops. You can wash your clothes, but you take the kids to those types of things, man. Listen, when I was a kid, I wanted to go fishing and camping, and my 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 grandfather and my uncle in Ireland, yeah, um, they said they'll do it once, right? And you know, kids, bro, they hold on to things. <laughs> I, I, I still talk to my uncle Joe, and I say, Uncle Joe, I'm waiting for that camping and fishing. Trip, right? <laughs> I still remember it. And, and kids, if you take them to do that stuff, and that's why I became so interested in it because it was okay. a promise that wasn't fulfilled. So it's like I always then wanted to go and do it. And now my kids, Alhamdulillah, they get to do that. My kids, they catch fish. You know, they're wow. dying to go camping. They're dying to go camping because they've only done the back garden so far. 
So what benefits have you seen in your children from exposing them to this kind of stuff? Because I'd I'd be so, super interested to to do that to be honest. But I've never uh, the, the the only times I've really done serious uh, outdoorsy camping sort of things is um, when I've been part of kind of youth programs and they've they've taken us to these these places. Um, but but I don't know how I would do it with my children. You know, I, yeah. I'm thinking you know. Could I do it now? They're quite young, nine months, two and a half. Could I do things like that? Like, I I would say first things first. Like the benefits, right? Like there was a BBC documentary that I found online, and it was all about children and hay fever and you know allergies and how we become so prone to to allergies and similar types of illnesses. Because we're deprived of the outdoors and the soil, the grass, it has bacteria in it that you need for your immune system to build up the immunities for all these type of ailments right. and, and, and so on. So firstly, there's a massive benefit for that. So, you know, all the more reasons to take them out. Yeah. Secondly, I think just the, the idea of being closer to nature, closer to the creation of Allah. We live in the concrete jungle, literally. And, and sometimes I feel like this is my reflections anyway, that when you're around the constant creation of mankind, it's like your heart becomes hard, hard and you, you don't, you're not reminded and you're not pondering. Like all the Anbiya were yeah. shepherds. Yeah, they were mm. all shepherds. Allah placed them in that position for many years where they were out in the wilderness, under the stars, next to the mountains, under the trees. Right, time to think, time to reflect, time to like just sit back and be in complete awe of the creation of Allah. Like, yeah, I went, I went camping in Cardiff, uh, in between the lockdowns, uh, to this beautiful place. And bro, wallahi, the stars, the constellations. <laughs> now, when I get to take my kids out and show them that, right, it's not in a book anymore, yeah, right? it's not, it's not in a little documentary, they are under the miracle of Allah. And I get to Some talk kind of... to them and remind them. And those are gems they'll never forget. You think a kid's going to not forget uh, the... You think a child's going to forget a camping trip where we're out, we're catching fish or we're building shelters, we're lighting fires, we're cooking our food out there. You know, it teaches you self-reliance. It teaches you independence. It teaches you to rough it up a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Like my wife, Mila, bless her. She wants the best for our children. Okay. But they've got these big, beautiful, lovely blankets at home and stuff like that. You know, like, I, I, I don't want my kids to be too comfortable. Okay, I'll take care of them. Yeah. I'll give them the nice things in life that, that are, you know, not good for them and not excessive. But I would rather they had less. Look at the example of the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. You know, Omar radiallahu anh, he cried. Yeah, he cried when he saw the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and how he was sleeping, you know. Where he had marks on his back. Subhanallah. Subhanallah. This is our Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam, right? And it's not that I want my children to go through hardships. Yeah. I just don't want them to become too comfortable with things. Yeah. yeah too yeah. dependent and too reliant on all mm -hmm. of these things. That's why I'll stick them outside and go camping. And if you're shivering that night, all right, you're shivering, but you made it through. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It, te yeah, it you teaches you something. It gives you discipline, and uh, it it. Um, it kind of you know what it does. Makes can you I, can understand. I say this, bro? Okay, go ahead. You, you know what? It makes you feel alive. <laughs> yeah, 
it really makes you feel alive that your senses when you wake up in the morning and you're the you know the you got cold air coming out of mm. uh, or, or the steam coming out of your mouth and your finger you have to do wudu outside bro you just yeah there's a bit of discomfort in there but bro when you look out over a lake and you see the birds chirping and flying over and you see fish coming up bro you just you don't feel any more alive than you do in those moments like that and i want that for my children i want them to think okay we went through hardship but look what we get out of it yeah you know yeah it's it's like it's almost like what you said at the beginning in terms of you're somebody who likes to connect with things which are more fitra based it's it's essentially linking you back to your 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 natural disposition as a human being to be connected with the rest of creation the way that allah had created us and obviously now we live as you you call it a concrete jungle okay and we're we're disconnected from the from the creation in that way and of course there's major advantages to human society developing in this way course, but there's certain course. things that that we we've uh, deprived ourselves of such as this like camping and being with the nature um and it and it as i was saying it was it's it allows you to understand how to take advantage of yourself in terms of your own capabilities and your body and your intelligence because you have to you can only rely upon what you know and your the physical strength of your body whilst you're out there you're 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 very much less reliant on te- technology it's not like you don't have technology to use but you have to really rely on um uh, yourself which i think is uh something which I've like recently come to learn when it's uh, in terms of jobs that um, recently changed jobs. And in that in that change, I kind of realized that, you know, your income is in the hands of other people and how much they value what what you bring to the table. And uh, that's why I think it's so important to start thinking beyond just getting jobs, getting jobs, getting jobs, but thinking about how can you use your own skills and use your own intelligence and use your what you know to create things yourself. And it's like a similar yeah. thing when it comes to being outdoors that you have to really rely upon you. Nobody else is going to help you while you're out there. Nobody's going to think, oh, this guy's such a great guy. Let me help him out. Let me take his hand and, and take him through the forest and get to the other end and survive the night. You're going to have to put in your own work, rely on your skills and rely on your intelligence. Uh, and I think it's something that I want to definitely pass on to my children is having that mindset that, you know, of course, first you rely upon Allah but you have uh, confidence within yourself and your own ability. And this kind of kind of ties in with, you know, uh, the, the type of work that I was involved in was all about tackling Islamophobia. And, and, and that's great. It's amazing. But it can build up a certain victimized mindset inside of yourself where you think that, you know, Muslims are always downtrodden. Therefore, I can't do this and I can't do this and I can't do this. But, you know, to take yourself out of that mindset and to realize that you've inherently been born and been created with certain skills and certain abilities that no matter what happens, what, what other factors are pulling you down in society, you can rely upon those things to continuously pull yourself up. I'd want my children to know that, especially with we don't know how things are going in, in the society where Muslims are being treated in a worse and worse way. But our children and the next generations can be the ones that really implement Muslims in this society in in Europe and really kind of take it further 
not like, I mean, Muslims have been in Europe for ages, but, you know, just in terms of how things are going now. Anyway, I kind of took it to a really, really <laughs> a far, far tangent there, linking being outdoors to Islamophobia. I don't know how I did that, yeah. But, yeah, um, good insight. Yeah. No, exactly. I think it's so. I think it's so important. Look, Tariq Bai, I've taken up enough of your time. Okay, so I think we've been here for about an hour. I know you need to get back to your family and to your children. Zakhir for coming on, and inshallah we'll bring you back because I think there's a lot more to talk about if you'll be willing to come back. Inshallah, I think there's a lot more that we can cover with yourself, and clearly you're somebody uh, like myself who's passionate about fatherhood. And uh, I always say that I. I love to learn from those who have more experience than me. You know, you've got more children yeah. than me. You've got more years on top of me. And it's important for me to be able to take that experience for me. And I'm sure you do the same thing with those who are, who are older than you as well. So yeah, Jazakar khair. And inshallah, uh, we'll catch up again Barak soon. Assalamu alaikum. It's been a pleasure, bro. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.